second your series of not knowing but trusting as we look at the life of Abram. And today we're going to read from Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slaves in your arm. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. The angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant. You will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lehei Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. And the Lord will bless the reading of his precious word. It was followers of the Lord Jesus Christ as disciples like Abraham of old, or Abram, we keep mixing that name through, but you know Abram to begin with, then Abraham. Just like Abram, Abram more or less knew the overall destiny that he had in God. He knew that he would go to a new land, a new city. He knew that he would become the father of many nations and that would be a multiplication from his own flesh. He knew he would have relationship with God because he was became known as the friend of God. And you know, we know that we have an eternal home in God. We know we're a part of his family. We know that we're called to make disciples in all nations, that they too become a part of the family and that we're invited to call people to come and follow Jesus also, to become a part of this family. And within the family, there's supposed to be a family resemblance of the Lord Jesus. We are to become the image of the Son. 
so we know also more or less the outcome of where we are to go. But the problem sometimes is this. It's the everyday decision making to follow the Lord Jesus Christ that can sometimes be difficult for us to ascertain the will of God. And we, like Abram, need to keep trusting, even though we may not always know the next step to take to get to that eternal goal. I hope that as we have been going through this series that you have taken comfort of the fact that Abraham, this man of God, sometimes had the flaw, had flawed decision making. And we so want to make good decisions to follow the Lord. But sometimes our decision making can be flawed. But what we learn even from this story today is that when we make wrong decisions, that God can still turn those to our advantage through his grace and his compassion. And we see in this story, the Father God is so gracious and compassionate to Abram on his journey. He shows him patience within his humility, or humanity, sorry. And hopefully, as we understand the character of God, as we try to understand the character of those in scripture as well, we can just see too how our God is as gracious to us and as helpful as we try to follow him on this faith journey. Abraham, not knowing but trusting, had to take a step into all that God had for him. But as we have learned so far, not all his decision making was good. He didn't always follow totally what the Lord had said. For instance, he was told to leave his father's household and yet we learn that he took his father with him. He took a lot with him. His nephew, we see that he was to enter into all that God had for him and yet he stayed in Haran far too long and then went down to Egypt when there was famine. And all of these things just complicated the journey that he had with the Lord because he didn't follow through on all that God had said. However, as we have said, in God's faithfulness and his graciousness, we see that God changes all of this to bless him and to help him. In chapter 16, um, we're going to see how Abram messed up in his decision making. And that decision making didn't only impact him, it impacted his wife, impacted other people's lives, even to this day. But with God's great compassion, God turned disadvantages to advantage. You know, last time we spoke, we spoke about faith over fear. And I know that there are some genuine believers of the Lord Jesus Christ who are fearful of making wrong decisions as they try to step into all that God has for them. And obviously we want to learn from scripture. We want to learn from the characters of scripture. But we want to learn, even from their mistakes, how to do it right and how to really hear God and to fulfill all that the Lord has for us. But we need to understand today that even when we get it wrong, that there is hope, that there is grace, and how our God can step into our world and our flawed decision making and that God can turn things for our good, he can overrule when we sometimes get it wrong. 
in our text, we see that God had made a promise to Abram that he would have many descendants and they were 10 years into Canaan and yet there was no family. You could just imagine the pressure that this couple were under as they grappled with the will of God over their lives. You can imagine the dynamics that were going on in the midst of their decision making. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And every month hoping that she would fall pregnant and didn't fall pregnant would obviously put this couple under so much pressure. In those days for a lady to be barren, often there was a sense of guilt would go with this because there was a sense of being punished by God if you could not bear children. They had that pressure to live under. Maybe as well that they had shared what God had spoken to them with other people and maybe they were living with the pressure of feeling they needed to have something to happen for people to believe them, believe what God had said over them. But whatever the reasoning was, Sarai and Abram decided to take matters into their own hands and to try and help things along a wee bit for God, like God needed their help. And yet, we know in hindsight that waiting on the will of God often requires of us patience. Somewhere along the line, we just know that God will require patience of us. His promises are true, but often the Lord is slow in keeping his promises and that requires patience. And often time, you know, friends, we can't understand why when God has said something and it is beneficial to us and to other people and helpful, why those things don't happen in the will of God or happen quick enough for us. For instance, we as a church family at East Point have been praying and fasting and hoping that the Lord would give us a building. In fact, our building fund is called Operation Sheepshed because we just want somewhere where we can birth new lambs and disciple them to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That we've got so many plans that a building would help us with and it seems strange, but why not yet for us? We've prayed, we have fasted, we have sought the Lord, we have knocked on doors to try and say if this is the right place or that's the right place. But you know something, we can't force doors. Neither can we just pull something out of a hat. We just need to wait on the timing of God and be patient. And you know why I can say this, church? I've been here before. I remember in our first church plant, we waited for over three years to get a building. In fact, we moved three or four times around the city of Perth in temporary accommodation, waiting for that day. We could put down our roots and reach out and all our evangelism and have somewhere to bring people to a spiritual home for everybody. God is amazing how God does things. One day out walking in the main street in the city of Perth, I passed a fellow. One of those situations where he looked at me and I looked at him and we sort of thought we know each other and asked the question, where do I know you from? 
And as it turned out, he was a lad who went with a girl who was a friend of ours, who we used to sing with in a group. And they only went for a brief period of time. They went together for just a short period of time. And I asked him what he was doing in the city of Perth. Two Northern Irish guys in the city of Perth. And it turned out he had become an Episcopalian church curate. What are the chances? And there I was planting a church. We met for coffee, we talked, he was asking how the church plant was going. I said, oh, it's going great, God's doing great things. But the hardest thing for us is we have nowhere of our own. And in that conversation, he just said, Stephen, I want to get back to you, but if something I want to share. And it turned out that, that their, the church that he was in was going to sell off their church hall um, because they were going to buy the pub next door to their church. That was great, wasn't it? Turn it into a church hall so they were selling off their old hall. And that's how we got our building. God created a divine appointment for us to be in the right place at the right time to meet the right person and that door opened for us. Church, be patient. God will open the door. Here we see Abram and Sarai were losing hope. They were losing patience. And the plan was to take the slave girl, which we think probably was the girl that they had acquired as a slave when they were down in Egypt. And they were going to take this girl. And because, as Sarai said herself, the Lord had shut her womb, they would hopefully start a family through this girl. And that was the culture in the day, popular culture. If a lady couldn't bear children with her husband, she would give her maidservant to her husband and father children through that maid child, that maidservant. A popular thing in that day. So basically, you know, I think the conversation could have went something like this. You know, maybe Sarai went into Abraham, Abram and said, Abby, baby, did the Lord really say that I was going to have the baby. He said that it would come from your flesh. Whatever happened, Abram agreed. They followed the popular culture. I think there's a lesson there for us church as well in these days. There's a lot the popular culture would dictate to us. But as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be careful that we're not following popular culture for our lives but we follow exactly what God tells us to do in his word. Sarai and Abraham were yet to learn they were actually one flesh and one unit and God was going to show how miraculous he was in their lives to do what he promised and it was for them as a couple for him to perform his mighty and you know friends how easy it is for us today sometimes to feel that we need to give the Holy Spirit a bit of a help a bit of a nudge to work on his behalf for instance sometimes in our zeal as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ as we desire to make other disciples other followers of the Lord Jesus Christ sometimes we feel the need to convict people of sin judgment and righteousness out of maybe even a, a genuine desire for because we love someone and we want to see them to walk with God and we want to see them go to have eternity with God. Sometimes we can start pointing out things in their lives trying to get them to come to Christ's life. 
only for them to remind us of our flawed lives, to remind us of our sin. And oftentimes that becomes just a mess. You see, friends, we are called to share the good news of the gospel. We are called to point people to the goodness of God and his faithfulness to forgive. We're not called to be the spirit of God to convict people of sin, judgment and righteousness. That's his job and only he can do it. And it is only he that can bring people to the kingdom. We're just the messengers called to give the good news. We see here in verse 2 that Abram just agrees with what Sarai says. In fact, some of the older versions say that he hated what she said. Do you know in decision making often as a pastor, I would encourage you to heed, to listen to a godly spouse. I would say to get the good counsel of a mature believer. But you know the decision that these guys made that day was a flawed decision that not only complicated their lives but complicated even life today. We're still seeing the fallout between the Arab nations and the Israeli nation because of this decision that was made. We need to be careful who we're hating. And even if it's from God, somebody godly, I believe that there are other aspects that we need to measure up when we're trying to ascertain the will of God for our lives and we're trying to make godly decisions. And maybe today you want to grab a, just pause this now and grab a piece of paper and write these few things down. What we need to do is this. When we're trying to ascertain the will of God for our lives, for the next steps that we have to take, Friends, we first of all need to reflect, what did God say? What is his word saying to us? And often when God is trying to lead us into situations, he will often give us his word again and again. It keeps coming up, a scripture verse that brings us guidance. And we need to look at that. We need to pray over that. We need to ask ourselves the question, what is God actually asking of me to do? We need to pray secondly, and ask the Lord that he would again confirm his word. And often that can be through prophecy. You know, prophecy often is just to confirm what we already know from God's word. Check your heart. Peace guards our heart. Do we have a peace about the decision that we're going to make? Is it within the will of God or is there a lack of peace about it? Fourthly, are the circumstances aligned? Has God opened the door that it seems like nobody else can shut, that it's the right thing to do and we've pace to walk through that door? And of course, fifthly, what we've already said there, you know, take it to a godly, mature believer and speak about it and get their counsel, but always base it on the word of God. Andy Stanley encourages us in his, to ask ourselves five questions in his book, which is a great wee book, Better decision, fewer regret, regrets. And he asks us to do this. There is the integrity question, the legacy question, the conscious question, the maturity question, relationship question. All these questions that we can ask ourselves in major decisions. That are, I'm not going to go into those. I'll let you read the book. It's a great book to read. And I would encourage you to read it in this pandemic. I fear that there are Christians today 
and they're making decisions in lockdown that if they don't ask themselves these questions, if they don't consider the counsel even that we've given here just now this morning, that they will end up making decisions that they will regret because of the pressure of lockdown. Decisions that will take them on spiritual detours. Friends, in making decisions, make sure you've got that green light from God and the peace of God through the word of God. Abram's decision making was flawed and brought them and those around them into a complicated life because of this and a negative legacy that even goes on today. Right from the very beginning of this flawed decision, they started to have problems. Once Hagar realised that she was pregnant, she started to despise her mistress and that wasn't good. But probably even within Sarai at that point, there was the realisation as well that she was the issue for not being able to bear a child. It definitely wasn't her husband, Abram. Then she blames Abram for the decision that she made. We but like Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the snake and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. But you know, Abram should have taken responsibility for his part in the decision making. And he was definitely wrong to abdicate his responsibility for the decision making that he that what he had done to allow that that Sarai could mistreat Hagar. And this young girl runs away. But here we see the first encounter in the Bible of the angel of the Lord coming to speak, not to a mighty man of faith, but to a slave girl who had been mistreated and abused. That the decision making, the disobedience of others had caused this girl problems within her life. And it is she who gets this encounter with the angel of God. She's in the desert at a spring near Shur. She's thought to be heading back to her home in Egypt, run back home just to get out of all of that mistreatment of her mistress. Then she meets the angel of the Lord who basically says that he would take the disadvantage and turn it to advantage for her. The angel of the Lord says to this girl, go back and submit to your mistress. I'm sure these were not the words that this lady wanted to hear at this stage of her life. And they're certainly not the words as a pastor or Christian counsellor would say to anybody in an abusive relationship. But our God knew in this circumstance, the beginning from the end. The Lord knew that out of this he could turn her disadvantage to an advantage, that he, out of her obedience, would make sure that this lady would see nations, a nation of people who would be her ancestry. Friends, we see then another first in Scripture. The angel of the Lord tells this lady that she was going to have a baby boy and tells the lady what he should be named. Ishmael. For the Lord has heard of your misery and affliction. She was not promised a trouble-free life. 
She was told that her son's hand would be against everybody and everybody was going to be against her son. And church, sometimes we do have to live with the consequences of people's bad decision making or even somebody else's sin. But every time Hagar would say, Ishmael, Ishmael, who have you upset now? Ishmael, who have you been fighting with now? She would remind herself that the Lord had heard about her affliction. Child of God today, follower of Jesus Christ, you have not been promised a trouble-free life. And yes, today maybe you are living with the consequences of somebody else's sin or somebody else's bad decision, even your own bad decision making. But today, you can know this, that God has heard about your affliction. And you know something? He doesn't want you to be running away, but rather he wants you to run to. He wants you to run to him, to his throne room. Hebrews 4 and 16 tells us this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There he will be, you will receive his mercy and He will. you will find grace to help you when you are most needed. It is not great running to the throne room of God where you will find a gracious God who will give you mercy and grace in the time you need it most. That is the best counselling session any of us can have to know that we can go through to a mighty God and a mighty God will hear all about what we are going through. You know, the legacy of Abram and Sarai, basically friends, um, we're still living with that bad decision making today in the sense of what is going on between the Arab nations and Israelis. But isn't it good to know that even in this day, the Lord's still appearing to people in visions and there are people in the Middle East that have seen the Lord in visions and have now given their lives over to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and those that they hated Christ and those of their neighbours, they are now loving and following God all because of God's great grace and God's ability to take a disadvantage and turn it in to somebody's advantage. And in verse 13, we learn that not only does God hear this girl's affliction, but he also sees her. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have, I have now seen the one who sees me. Beloved, God sees and he knows all things. You may be living in the consequences of somebody else's bad decision making, somebody else's sinfulness. Maybe somebody has done something and you got the blame and you cannot clear your name. You cannot prove that you were innocent. I want to say God saw. God knows. He sees the attention of your heart. You might have been thrown under the bus. You might have been used as a scapegoat. But the Lord saw it all and listened to his word. Because he saw it all and he knows your heart. God's word says this, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what was hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive praise from God. There's coming a day when everything's going to be laid bare. All that was done in the dark, all the whispering behind closed doors, all the conniving and plans that were, were put into place, maybe to see your life messed up. 
the Lord has seen it all. He knows the affliction you've had to carry. And my friend, let you be, let, may you know today that your God has seen and God has heard and God knows your heart. But he promises to be with you. He promises not to forsake you. And he promises that one day it will all come out in the open. Just like the story of Joseph, the Lord was with him when he was in the pit. The Lord was with him in the prison. And the Lord used what had happened to him, what was meant for evil. He took it and he used it for good. And so may the Lord use the affliction that maybe you're carrying today for your good and the good of others. What can we learn from this chapter? Church, in all our decision-making and stepping out into the will of God, we may not know, but we trust. But we need to trust his word. Let's put the emphasis on our decision-making back onto what God's word is saying. Let's check out what God is saying. And maybe you're getting that verse over and over again. Make sure it means what it says. Get a commentary out or speak to somebody um, who's understanding of scripture, making sure that that scripture is definitely saying what you think it is saying. Do the other things that we talked about this morning that will help you in your decision making before you take a step into the will of God. And secondly, today, if you're living with affliction because of the decision makings of others that have hurt you, know today that your God has heard your heart. Your God sees what you're going through, but also believe that what was meant for evil, God can take and use it for your good. May the Lord bless you.